amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We ain't gonna stand here. I don't wanna die. Even the podcast is afraid. Welcome to Even the Podcast is Afraid. I'm Jared. I'm here with Nick and Sam, and we are about to dive into part one of our series on Charlie and his Manson family. I was going to say the chocolate factory. Charlie and the The chocolate chocolate factory. factory. (laughs) This is not a golden ticket. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) This is worse than a golden ticket. No, we're not going to take a a dip in the chocolate river. I want, I want to dr- go in the Chocolate River. Oh, that'd be awesome. Like Augustus it's always, Gloop, it looked, or whatever it his name was. It looks so delicious. Yes. See, I always wanted to ride the boat. I always, I always thought the boat would be The fun. boat scene yes. is fucking traumatizing. What are you talking about? That whole I would movie never, is traumatizing. I would never. Look, it's like riding, <laughs> Sam, it's like riding a giant boat of LSD. Uh-uh. No, when Willy Wonka starts with the fucking crazy, the the weird shit, Charlie I was like, would no, love it. uh-uh. <laughs> no, thank the, you. Look, the Manson family would love the boat from oh, Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, Packers. I'm sure they would. <laughs> or Willy Wonka. That's Willy Wonka yeah, and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah, Factory. that's Willy Wonka. Yes. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the one with Well, Charlie and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory is actually the book, too. I know. Yes. I know. Ronald Dahl, right? Yes. Yeah. See? Look at there. I even knew the writer. Roll doll, I believe. Roll doll. But yes. Whatever. Close enough. Yeah, you Fucker were that close. wrote it. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine it? That's how they sign it. Fucker who wrote it. But that's how, if I write a book, that's how I write it. The you fucker should. who wrote it. This is my autobiography. Fucker who wrote it. <laughs> but obviously, if you are listening to us, you need to also be watching us. So go download the Pod TV video app, PodTV.live. It's on iOS, Android, Roku, Amazon App Store. I mean, you can see our faces, you even can. though we have faces for radio. <laughs> yes. And it begs to differ. He thinks he's the most beautiful man on the planet. I'm the most beautiful yeah. man on this podcast. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I'm also the most beautiful man in this room. but go watch it there are shows on there it's exclusive that's how to watch the tv show so you'll get to see some images of what we're talking about and also our expressions yes (laughs) the expressions make a difference and then then you can't you can't see my hand motions and stuff too when i'm talking because i like to talk with my hands yes yeah, we both come from latin background so we do so we we talk you know with, with our hands mamma mia <laughs> but the link obviously will be in the show notes if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast listening app just just click it or just search it pod tv.live come watch us 
We would love for you to watch us and listen to us. Do both. Yeah. Yes. Do both at the same time. Get two Preferably. screens. At the yes. same time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you get the Pod TV app, you can also listen to us. That is it's, true. It's not like it's video yeah, you only. Can. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And then when you get a chance, look view. over. <laughs> yeah, it's just the video. <laughs> no audio. <laughs> That's how you double your numbers. That's how you double your numbers. <laughs> Nick's cracked the code. Are y'all ready to go into this crazy world of bloodthirsty hippies? Oh, yes. hell yeah. We've been waiting for this one. Yes. <laughs> All right, get ready to hop on that boat. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All right, where's the LSD? Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. To start things off, here's a quote from the documentary film 1971. I don't think our country has even gotten over 1968. 68 began with the Tet Offensive. Then Milo was in March. In April, oh my God, Martin Luther King Jr. was gone. And then Bobby Kennedy got killed. And if you thought 1968 was bad, hold on to your hats. Hold on to your hippie beads. Because (laughs) 69 was gearing up to be pretty shitty as well with plenty of twists and turns all throughout this journey. And luckily, after 1969, no year was ever terrible again. (laughs) Yeah. It went uphill from there. Yeah, only uphill. Yeah, yep, (laughs) definitely. Perhaps one of the most familiar names and faces in the realm of true crime is that of Charles Manson, or you can call him Charlie. He has become iconic and has forever solidified his place in infamy, mainly for being a crazy cult leader who had others killed directly for him. I think we all know who Charles Manson is. Yes. Of course. (laughs) But there is something that we need to get out of the way, right out of the gate. Charles Manson was not a serial killer. He was a cult leader. Yep, 100%. He had his little minions do everything for him. And this is something like I even forget. It's like, oh yeah, he never actually killed anyone. No, they stereotypically yeah. put him with serial killers. Yeah, and I know. he's not a serial right. killer. Right? No. Yeah. Evil mastermind. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Weird guy that talks in riddles. Yep. Yes. And, and makes weird hand motions and stuff. So he's yeah, like, weird like, facial expressions. He's the with Italian Riddler. <laughs> Mamma mia. <laughs> This is the most common and atrocious error people make when discussing him. The idea that he was a serial killer needs to be put to rest for good, and it has been mostly, but his name still gets tossed in with serial killers every once in a while. Yep, it does. Top 10 serial killers of all time. This is WatchMojo.com. <laughs> it's, it's the, if you go to a museum, for instance, some mm-hmm. museum that has like a true crime section or something like that, mm-hmm. he always gets tossed in with the John Wayne Gacy's and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Dahmer or Bundy. He always gets tossed in over there yep. and people just... Think of him as a serial killer. Right, right. Well, because if if people haven't looked into the cases and haven't looked into the actual, um, all the evidence and everything, then they wouldn't know. They're just going off of speculation and they're just like, oh, yeah, he was a serial killer. Like, that's it. You know, they don't look further into it and realize that, yes, he was the mastermind behind the killings, but he never actually did anything. It was his minions that did it. Minions. His minions. (laughs) Not to be confused with those annoying little yellow things. No, no, what are you talking? No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's been minions. The minions are out there oh killing people right now, you, Nick. What are you talking about? Could you imagine? Like, they go to, like, murder pump. Banana! 
Could you imagine getting killed by a minion? I'd be pissed. <laughs> now I want a Minions Manson movie. <laughs> oh hmm. my god. Pixar. The Manson family is Wait. Minions. <laughs> no, Minions isn't Pixar. Who who does Minions? DreamWorks. 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 Make it yeah. happen. <laughs> Fun for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> Equally iconic is what is considered to be a, the authoritative narrative about the Manson family murders. Elter Skelter, Elter Skelter, written by Vincent Bugalozzi and Kurt Gentry in 1974. Many books have been written about Charles Manson, but Bugalozzi, I'm probably fucking his name up. Bugalozzi. Actually, just call him Baloney. 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 Sam, that's racist. You're insulting my Italian heritage. (laughs) (laughs) It is considered the official canonized account of the Manson murders, since Bugalozzi was the L.A. prosecutor overseeing the case. Bugliozzi. So he is a significant person, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. Right. We can't say his name. Right. You can't say his or name. I can't say his <laughs> Shut up, Nick. <laughs> Mamma mia. What's the matter you? The concept put forth by Bigelosi's book Close enough. has come. <laughs> but we're going with it. All right. Deuce Bigelow's Mel Gigolo's book <laughs> have come to be known as the Helter Skelter scenario. In the long years since Manson was sentenced to prison, Many authors have emerged to challenge Bigelosi's account of events, and these books run across the spectrum from mild speculation all the way into the realm of full-blown rabbit hole lunacy. So what you're telling me is that Charles Manson faked the moon landing. <laughs> and, well, no, um, Nick, he was he's there. Really Willy he Wonka. was there. Oh. He was the it, astronaut walking on the moon. What are you talking about? Aliens. Oh my god, he's Neil Armstrong? <laughs> That's a plot twist I didn't see coming. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Mr. Armstrong. <laughs> I know, oh my god. <laughs> Please don't come for us. <laughs> One of the more recent books to challenge this narrative is the book Chaos by Tom O'Neill. Chaos originated as a 1999 magazine commission to mark the Manson murder's 30th anniversary. Failing to heed fellow journalist Paul Krasner, be careful, Tom. This will take over your life if you let it. O'Neill disappeared down the rabbit hole, blowing his deadline. Instead, he sold a publisher on a book that, chasing down still more leads, he failed to deliver. Finally, he found a home for his now opious a little brown in time for the 50th anniversary. It's worth recounting this tortured history and considering chaos a flawed, tantalizing at times, undully conspiratorial work, still founded on prodigious, 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 <laughs> prodigious, Buglioni. Buglioni. I'm having a brain for it. Biglioni research. <laughs> it convincingly impuns key tenets of Bigelosi's narrative and exhumes a trove of provocative data. Yeah, I told you that Charles Manson faked the moon landing. <laughs> all makes sense but we'll get into some of this stuff too mm-hmm. uh within this series because there is a lot of conspiracies around charles manson and the manson family even though i can't read and that's a conspiracy <laughs> all on its <laughs> own <laughs> here, here's my conspiracy here hear me out here charles manson oh, here we go charles manson is really alex jones now, you might be like, Nick, that doesn't make any sense, but have you seen <laughs> Charles Manson and Alex Jones in the same room together? No. <laughs> exactly. That, that's a good point, Nick. Yep. 
I think Charles Manson taught me how to read. I mean, they're both <laughs> crazy, so I mean, I can see it. I can definitely see it. The story of the Manson family murders is so iconic, horrific, and ingrained in our collective minds that it remains one of the most well-known true crime events ever. Not only did it send shockwaves of terror through Hollywood, but it similarly terrified people completely unconnected from Hollywood. In the aftermath of the murders, the rich and famous in L.A. were afraid that they might be next, while parents in the Midwest feared for the future of their children, wondering if their own kids could be susceptible to the cultish slavery obedience of the Manson family. Well, I mean, watch your kids then, if you're that scared. It's like, watch watch your kids. And it's, it's, them like, damn video, it's, it's them damn video games making yeah. the kids violent. It's like, come on. It's like Nick's garlic bread cult. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, wait, Nick, um, I would like to join your cult. It's um, an incredible cult. You get free yeah. breadsticks. Yeah, no, are you kidding me? See? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why has no one thought of this before? I know that's great. Free breadsticks. See, we will dominate this is the world with breadsticks. Slavery yes. obedience of the garlic bread. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and there's no. Man, I don't know. I freaking want breadsticks, man. Man, I might see because we usually get like you know the frozen frozen garlic breads and yeah. just throw them in yeah. the oven. Yeah, see, we usually get the ones have, with the cheese in the center. Yes, exactly. We usually have one of those in our freezer. Right. After this, I might just like go make it. My wife will be sleeping and just be like, why the fuck are you making garlic <laughs> bread at one in the morning? Why not? Don't That's like the best snack life. ever. That's like the best <laughs> snack ever. Next time you do it, just tell her that you're looking for new members. Oh, of my cult. My, my breadstick cult. Yep. Yep. Your wife's going to be so concerned. She's going <laughs> to tell you to stop doing the podcast. Please. You're going to be a father in six months. Please. <laughs> He's going to be the enlightened garlic child. He will, our oh our child God. will be the chosen one. <laughs> the vision of the hippie subculture was forever altered in the wake of the murders, and hippies began to take on a darker appearance in the minds of everyday people. This is one of the concepts that O'Neill speculates about in Chaos, wondering if Manson may have been part of J. Edgar Hoover's massively evil COINTELPRO operation, as well as the CIA's failed mind control experiments known as Project MKUltra. Mm. Now, just a side note, Stephanie is still researching uh, MKUltra and working on that. Uh, we will get more in touch and greater detail on MK Ultra and a future upcoming series on CoIntel Pro and MK Ultra. Going to do both. Nice. And then soon we'll do an episode on my breadstick cult. Yes. Yep. <laughs> again, that should be an after show episode. The it whole should. just the whole creation of the breadstick cult. Oh my lore. gosh. Yeah. It'd be a very, it would be a very short episode. It would literally be like you join the cult, you get free breadsticks. But you have to give up all your, you know, worldly possessions. <laughs> worldly possessions. Yes. You get now free breadsticks. But but you can't leave. Like once you enter, that's it. You know, yes. like you can't and, leave. And <laughs> you know, if you want to add, you know, garlic butter or whatever, it's an extra twenty five cents. What about cheese? You have to extra, have on Sundays. Cheese. We extra break 50 bread. <laughs> we literally break bread on Sundays. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You see, makes sense. Look at that. And then, and, then, and then on Friday nights, we, we watch how bread is made, how the breadsticks are made. I'm literally going to make a shirt that says garlic bread cult. Oh, my God. I'm not even joking. I would wear it. 100%. 100%. I'm going to get it. Oh, yep. Our, our, patron saint, our patron saint is Olive Garden. 
(laughs) 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 To be clear, COINTELPRO and MKUltra were real. We have documentary evidence and the evidence released by the CIA themselves to back them up. But the possible connections between Manson and both operations have not been conclusively determined. Points which O'Neill admits too humbly in his book. I mean, have you seen Charles Manson and MK Ultra in the same room together? <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember when we did the People's Temple, Nick? Yes, way back when. That was a while back way during back story when. time. That was before, <laughs> yeah, before even the podcast before is afraid. Sam. The before no, it was time. before B- Sam. Yes, yeah. before Sam. Yeah. <laughs> there is an entire conspiracy that the People's Temple was also a MK Ultra project. Really? So, it's, just, it's just a cop-out yeah. conspiracy. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. Yeah. Once the government we did an after-show episode yes. on it, though. Yes. We did do that. Yeah. The Manton family murder shocked the nation and the world, but also on a deeper level. 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 <laughs> lever. I told you I can't talk. Lever. lever. On a deeper lever. I think what Jared needs is more breadsticks. Yeah. Which is what you can provide. I'm going to inject my veins full of garlic bread. Yes. <laughs> this whole episode is going to be about the garlic bread cult. <laughs> you thought we were talking about the Manson family? Nope. <laughs> Forever altered the zeitgeist of the 60s. There was a drastic shift from the 60s to the 70s, and no doubt the Manson murders played a hand in this. You gotta think, though, with them being part of hippie culture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they had, with, with what they did, it had to be a bad light on that culture. Oh, 100%. We know hippies don't go out and murder people. No. But they're about peace, love, and harmony. Mm-hmm. Smoking pot and fucking each other. Right. And that's hippie culture. <laughs> hippies are already exactly. in a bad light, though, because of, like, more conservative than today america you know yeah peace and love was a you know evil or and no something. shoes and no mm-hmm. shoes yeah no shoes <laughs> the drugs obviously i could see why people would have an issue with that but you know right. years later and <laughs> weed is legal here yep <laughs> <laughs> the 60s were the decade of peace and love and kindness and beatles in the 70s well <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and the 70s became the decade of decadence and disco. The sense of free love remained, but there was a shift more towards a shallow, plastic, hollow sense of glamour. People were not looking to trip and experience the depth of the universe. They wanted to zone out and forget about deep things and strut their stuff on the dance floor. The spirit of 69 gave way to Studio 54. Time to do YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> Gave the spirit of the Bee Gees. Yes. It is hard to imagine this strange shift in the decades without looking at the Manson murders as part of it. Manson forever damned the hippies, replacing beads with blood and free love with the lack of free will. Acid went from a tool for expanding your horizons to a potential tool for controlling the human mind. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking now. So I would say like the hipsters of today are today's version of the hippies. So um, when, yeah, in a way, yeah, in, a way yes. in a way, but they and are not so a much little bit. They're different. There are differences. Not so much. You peace still and have love. hippie culture. Yes, there are still hippie culture oh, out there. Yeah, not so oh, much. 100%. Not so much peace and love, but more like you know, love the environment kind of thing, right? right. Now, right. when are we going to get the cult leader that's going to make the hipsters murder people with their shitty music? Oh, I'm God. sure it's already happened. Jeez, Nick, <laughs> don't don't start anything. <laughs> Breadstick cult. Breadstick cult. That's what I'm saying. 
One could say that the 60s officially ended not on December 31st, 1969, but instead on August 8th, 1969. Well, that is exactly 20 years and one week before I was born. There you go. (laughs) Look at that. When the first set of Manson family murders occurred at the home of actress Sharon Tate, although Manson researchers tend to have disagreements on some details, they all seem to agree on the fact that Manson never killed anyone himself. It is believed he attempted killing a drug dealer named Bernard Crow, but Crow survived. Yeah, he he hasn't killed anybody. He tried, but... (laughs) There, I, I know we get more into it a little bit in mm-hmm. part two, and I know in part three we're going to get more into kind of like how the police fudged up the fucking the police crime always, scenes and shit. Back then, they always fucked everything up. I mean, like, yeah, always. They did. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. I mean, some of the cases and stuff, you just like want to like slap somebody because you're like, how could you not? Like, why, why did you do this? In the police's defense... They still fuck a lot of things up today. No, they do. Yeah, I know. Even with the technology and shit that we have now, you'd think that it would be better, but it's 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 still. But the there same. are good police out oh, there. Okay, no, there's good cops. No, yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> but as mentioned earlier, there may be a lot more to the story than meets the eye. O'Neill's book draws links from Manson to both MK Ultra and Cointel Pro, with some even stranger links to Jack Ruby. And on the surface, they may seem like some crazy theory put forth by some wacko nut job, but on the contrary, O'Neill has quite literally done real research to back up the majority of his ideas and outright states where his ideas cannot be adequately proven. Mm. Oh, there you go. That's 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 always nice. Instead of just yeah. like blatantly lying. Y'all know who Jack Ruby is, right? Mm-mm. Remind me. Do you not know your history? <laughs> no, you get the pass, me. Nick, because you're Canadian. Yeah, enlighten me. <laughs> did did what? What? Which hockey team did he play Does for? Does JFK no. ring a bell? Oh yes, well, I know yeah. Who JFK oh is. yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, well, y'all all know that Oswald and all that also right. has an MK Ultra, and Jack Ruby, the whole shit, all that has a right uh, conspiracy so behind it with yeah. MK Ultra as well. Right. Okay. You know where I'm at now, right? Yes. yes. Yep. So mm, that I'm following okay. you. So that Jack Ruby faked the moon landings. Got it. <laughs> listen have you seen jack ruby and the moon in the same room together exactly <laughs> some of the connections are legit and others are speculative for as weird as some of these connections may seem there is a sense of truism to them mk ultra really happened so did cointel pro the ultimate goal of mk ultra was to achieve mind control often through drugs and other cult-like methods, and the goal of COINTELPRO was to seek out leftist groups and neutralize them. The Manson killings achieved both goals. Manson used large doses of LSD to control his followers, and Manson murders forever altered the way people viewed the hippie subculture. See, this is a good segue into my cult, because, you know, the (laughs) left and the right, they disagree on a lot of things, but there is one thing that they can agree on. Free and that's garlic. Yeah, garlic Free bread. Sticks, yes. <laughs> right there. That's that's the key to world peace. That's how we fix everything. Free breadsticks. But what's interesting about MK Ultra and Cointel Pro mm-hmm. is when we get into that series, MK Ultra, I don't know as much about Cointel Pro as I do MK Ultra. Cointel Pro is sounds bonkers. like Cointel Pro sounds like some computer company made in the nineties. 
Yeah, it does. Coin-operated machines. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bubblegum machines. Yep. There we go. What it is. Vending machines, because they're all like... What was you about to say, Sam? Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just I was just saying that um, I can definitely... Now that you've mentioned this about MKUltra and Cointel Pro, yeah. um, like, I can kind of see it now, you know? Like, because you, you don't really think about that stuff when you're, when you know, when you're looking into the case. Um, but now... Yeah, now it's kind of making. There is, there's weird connections. Yeah, that's like there a really is. Yeah, that's really, really odd, and it's very specific too. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Just so we are clear here, this is not to say that Manson was conclusively a part of either MK Ultra or COINTELPRO. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. As we said earlier, it is also important to note that some of the possible links or connections between Manson and MK Ultra and COINTELPRO are not conclusively backed up by any solid evidence and therefore must be relegated to the realm of speculation. And we will stress that point throughout this series because unlike Orson Welles, we want to be sure that anyone just tuning in understands what the fuck is up. Right. Like, these are conspiracy theories. These are not facts, okay? Let's just put that out there right now. The only thing in this episode that isn't a conspiracy theory is my breadstick (laughs) cult. (laughs) That is absolutely real. That is 100% real. Just give me all your earthly possessions, and you'll get free breadsticks. (laughs) Despite not being an actual serial killer, Manson's childhood was peppered with countless red flag similarities to actual serial killers. A young, unwed, alcoholic mother with a long history of arrests, an unstable home life, and unpresent father. He was bounced around between foster homes and eventually reformed schools. That'll do it. Yep. Well, yeah, he has the normal upbringing of what yeah. your typical quote-unquote serial, serial killer, killer yeah. would have. Before the murders, Manson had spent more than half of his life in correctional institutions. Manson grew comfortable with institutionalized life despite some of the harsher aspects of it. It was reported that Manson, as a teen in one of these reformed schools, had been the victim of rape and beatings, which were said to have been encouraged or overseen by a guard. Manson even claimed in an interview with Diane Sawyer that his first crime was at the age of nine when he tried to set his school on fire. Holy shit. Damn. Yikes. I mean, I hated school as a kid, but not that much. But think of his home life. 
Right. He already had he had that mind of mm-hmm. anger, right? Uh-huh. You're, you're angry anger. at the fucking world. Yes. Right. And, and then why you, does everybody else deserve this? Right. And then on top of that, you know, he was abused too, so that's gonna even light the fire even more. Good choice of words there, Sam. What what are you talking wait, what? <laughs> He's gonna light he that caused him to light the fire or whatever he said. A lot lit, like the fire no, in him. No, 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 in him, not like the actual fire that he did at nine years old. No. So, <laughs> just to clarify. Look, you said fire, and the first thing that popped in my head was fire. This, this, Jesus. this reminds me of a story when I was in school. No, no one lit my school on fire. But when we were in, it was a grade three. So we were like eight. I swear to God, if this goes to garlic fucking breadsticks. It did, it did, no, no garlic breadsticks. So we, one of our, it was like the last day before March break, which is like our spring break here. And we ha- always had to do like a journal entry. So we'd write like a sentence or something like that and then draw a picture with yeah. it. And one of the students in my class, and like today, they would be seen by psychologists and make sure that they can't own a gun ever or whatever. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. If this happened, but he wrote, he's just like, um, the, the theme was like, what are you, pl- what are you doing during the March break or like during your vacation? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he wrote, I hope that during the March break, a bulldozer comes and bulldozes the school. Oh interesting and, and 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 we all the teacher laughed at it. i'm thinking and like it is funny but i'm thinking like man right. if a kid wrote that today oh they'd no, get like suspended yeah. the cops would be called there'd be investigations they'd be like oh my god this kid's gonna come in and shoot up the school yeah with a oh, bulldozer yeah. oh with a board <laughs> right <laughs> that reminds me have you ever heard about the we may do that at in, on one episode what about the some, uh, some a place no 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 <laughs> There's actually a guy who got so pissed off at the city and they were screwing oh. him over or he thought they were screwing him over and he built that bulldozer, made it into a fucking basically a yep, tank. Yep. He started yes. going through the city and bulldozing. I remember shit. that yes. shit. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll do an episode that's, on him at yes. some point, yeah. but that's what that reminded me. <laughs> His first official adult imprisonment was in 1951 at a minimum security institution called the Natural Bridge Honor Camp. Four years later, Manson married and fathered a child with the world's most unfortunate name of Charles Manson Jr. And despite his eventual desire to remain institutionalized, during his many incarcerations, there were several successful and attempted escapes. Plus, in the late 50s, Manson married again and was said to have fathered another unfortunate child. This child's name, Alex Jones. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is Alex Jones. I'm just letting you know right now. Manson is my father. (laughs) There we go. Hashtag confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. (laughs) This is fact. (laughs) He brought me down on an LSD plane. It was glowing red with green orbs. And telling you, it was like that boat from fucking Willy Wonka. Oh, my God. No, that's a that's a trip all on its own. You don't you don't even need LSD for that one. <laughs> in June 1966, Manson was sent for the second time to Terminal Island in preparation Jesus for Christ, early Terminal release. Terminal Island. Yeah, Jeez. That, sounds, that sounds like terrible. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so, 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 sounds like somewhere you go to die. <laughs> like, like literally, <laughs> maybe. That's what they sent you to Alcatraz for. So yeah, yeah, but Alcatraz is like a, not a friendly name, but it's not like so in your face as Terminal Island. Yeah, yeah. I know it makes you scared of it. <laughs> makes you shit your britches when you walk in. Welcome to Terminal. Oh, sorry, down my leg. Oh God. 
By the time of his release day on March 21, 1967, he had spent more than half of his 32 years in prison and other institutions. I turned 32 in August. I've spent exactly zero years in prison. (laughs) Me too. Never been there. There you go. I worked in a prison, like a youth prison. uh, You did? in, In construction. Yeah, we were building it. Oh, Yes, okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't a guard. The, the guards were the laziest people in the fucking world. That's another story. Oh, though. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Two kids escaped there. I'm not shocked. Oh, that's wonderful. Not because of like shoddy the construction, but because the guards are were probably too busy playing Xbox. <laughs> oh, jeez. This was mainly because he had broken federal laws. Federal sentences were and remain much more severe than state sentences for many of the same offenses. Telling the authorities that prison had become his home, he requested permission to stay. See, some people... Could you um, imagine? A lot what? of people like the... the Not so much like the whole like rough stuff of prison, but because it's so structured, right? Like you get up yeah. at a certain time every day. Right. You know, you have your breakfast, you do whatever, you, you have right. your hour of yard time, you do that. It's so, and people, people thrive on that. And that's why I like... There are some well, people that like guaranteed. It's like guaranteed housing. You know you're gonna have three food, meals a day. Water, yes, water. You know, like that kind of stuff. That and you know. Well, that if you're also out on when the you've street, been in it, when mm-hmm. when you've been in it your whole life, mm-hmm. the majority of his life, that's what he knows. Exactly. That is yeah. safe yes. for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't and that like people sad though? Like when it's like you suddenly yeah. have to make your own decision. It's like what the fuck? Like, and some people yeah. really can't handle. And like, I guess the most. Uh, the only example I can well, think hell, of. He's probably been can... making decisions is mainly his whole life, anyways, yeah. because his, yeah. look at his mother, no father. Right. Yeah. He he's been doing no it on his own forever. He's authoritative figure to mm. tell him right. what's right and what's wrong. When you're in prison, it's like these are the prison rules. You follow them. Right. Yep. And I think, like, I guess the only example that, like, any of us can relate to is, like, when you work several days straight and you finally have a couple days off, mm-hmm. and you're just like, what do I do? Like, I have. Yeah, you're like so fucking tired that you don't even well, want to no, like not, do it's anything. It's not so much that you're tired, but it's like okay, like I if I have to work, I wake up, I do whatever it is, I go to work, right. finish work, do whatever I do after work, go to sleep, whatever. If you do that like six, seven, eight times in a, eight days in a row, and then you finally have like a couple days off, you're just like, holy fuck! Like you, you know, you get up, you you get ready for the day, and you're like. I have the rest of the day to do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. Cause you're so used to that routine. And then when yes. the routine breaks, yep. it's just like, you don't know what to do. Yeah. If he had been allowed to stay in prison in 1967, the remaining historic years of the sixties most likely would have been immensely different than what we now know. But here's where things start to get murky. We all know the official story of the Manson family murders as presented in Bugalasi's Helter Skelter how baloney's baloney's yeah. <laughs> o'neill's research throws a wrench into those gears but there are plenty of wrenches to throw into o'neill's gears too why are we throwing wrenches <laughs> we're just because if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball that's yes. right that's t- oh, very good <laughs> I yes love that I, movie. I walked right into that one <laughs> i love that movie <laughs> What we know conclusively is that after his last major period of incarceration, Manson began to accumulate a dedicated following that consisted mostly of women, but also included a few wayward men. Charles Tex Watson, a musician and former actor. Robert Busaloli, a former musician and pornographic actor. I'm going to say, because it's very French, Beausoleil. It's French. Beausoleil. Beausoleil. It's French. 
Yeah, I probably got the back end wrong. Which, I've heard his name before several times, but which literally translated means good son. You know, you're actually right because I looked it up. Yeah, like so, like, yeah. like the son, not like father's child. I mean, son, right. as in, like the thing in the sky that hurts your yeah. eyes when you look at it. <laughs> Mary Brunner, previously a librarian, Susan Atkins, Linda Caspin, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten. Any relation to Simpsons character Milhouse Van Houten? No. Yes, she's yellow. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Straight out of The Simpsons. My mom says I'm cool. <laughs> it is important to note that the two main male figures who join his ragged bunch of miscreants were in the entertainment industry to some extent. That folds into Manson's ambitions quite nicely. And let's be clear, if you didn't have the required plumbing to help Manson get his rocks off, then you were in some way useful to his ultimate goals. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. So basically, you got to look at it. Manson surrounded himself with people that could help him grow. Right. right? And, That's and any pe- cult leader. People that, that were easily manipulated. Manipulated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's who, what he strived for. He didn't want you to have, you know. His manipulation was a sheet. Mm. LSD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's how he would bring you in. Because he'd be like, "Hey, I got yes. drugs and all well, this stuff." Well, you got to think too. You got to think you know? all the sex and the orgies right. and you know all the <laughs> you know <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he surrounded himself, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. He surrounded himself with people that benefited him. Right, of and if course. there's any kind of every cult leader is that way, right? Yeah, because yeah, they're all looking to take something from you. You know, like they they don't want you to just be some useless, you know, person just standing there. And believe it or not, being a crazy cult leader who directed murders was not Manson's original goals. That ended up becoming a sort of backup plan. Manson's ultimate desire was to become a musician, and it almost happened. But we will get into that more later. He he has music, does he not? He has music yes, released. Yes, you can find, he does have an, a record. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it. You can get on YouTube and easily find his music. I wonder if it's available it's terrible. on Spotify. <laughs> oh my God. I doubt it. I don't I doubt think it. so. Oh God. That record is rare. From my understanding, yeah. his Manson, Charles Manson's record, he actually recorded one in prison. Did he really? I, From my understanding, yes. I think I heard one of the songs that that he had um, that he had created, and um, and I mean, it was a song. I mean, it, it certainly wasn't like, was music. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just music. You know, like they didn't have like anything like creepy or weird hidden. You know like meanings and stuff it was just music you know so what you're so what you're saying is the reason my high school band ever took off is because we didn't start a cult exactly nick that's where also, you also we wrong. only ever had one band practice that was probably <laughs> some probably <of> reason. why <laughs> this group of groupies became known as the family and they lived the somewhat typical life of hippies at the time orgy sex parties and drugs peppered with some good old-fashioned eschatology and some thievery Yes. I mean, yeah. it's just like, I, I mean, literally. Sex, uh, that's drugs, what they, and rock and roll. That's what it yep. was. There you go. Yep. <laughs> there you go. For those unfamiliar with the term eschatology, I think it's eschatology. 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 Eschatology, yeah. It's the study of an obsession with the end times. 
To put in perspective, right-wing nutter Randy Weaver, the subject of the standoff at Ruby Ridge. But there are a lot of nutters that are into the end-of-time speculation and prophecies. And one of the most famous ones, uh, early American, um, was it eschatological? I think think that's how you say it. Cults were the Millerites. Have you ever heard of the Millerites? Were they the cult that just drank Miller Lite? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they but they do sound really familiar. They became famous for predicting dates on which the world would end and speculatory being wrong each oh, time. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's great. Their their leader was William Miller and he was basically telling them when Jesus was going to come back. So I mean it was it was a Christian-based cult. Of course. That's Yeah. As most of them but they are. are the most famous yeah. to be around the same thing. Since Manson's request to stay in prison had been denied, an issue he would have no trouble with later on, he migrated to Berkeley and then San Francisco, cities that became flooded with young people looking to embark on a new way of life. Manson, an older figure among the crowd, he amassed a small group of followers, almost entirely women, and in 1968, headed along with several female followers to Los Angeles to pursue a music career, having learned to play the guitar in prison. Mm. I, too, can play the guitar. I mean, I haven't in years. I can play four chords, so I can play any song ever. Did you learn in prison, Nick? I can play the guitar, too. Yeah. Did I learn what? Yes, I learned it in prison. <laughs> it was high school. <laughs> I mean, might as well have been prison. <laughs> he learned from Manson. Yes. <laughs> his cell was right next to his. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, uh, you, okay, it's kind of crazy how Manson requested that he wanted to stay in prison. Like, can you do that, though? Yeah. Like, I wonder, has anyone ever been, like, like you accepted? Can. You know, like, like they're like, okay, yeah, you know what, you'll just stay here forever. I don't think so. I think once your time is up, you have to go, which right. is why you have some people that are what they call repeat offenders. Of course. Because mm-hmm. they want to go back. Yes. So in less than 24 hours, they'll go out and commit another crime. So think about the prison. Yep. Right. But, you know, it's like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be easier to just keep them in prison? Like, why? I don't think you can by law. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. You have to keep in mind, too, prisoners, like, they cost the government money. Unless they're in a private institution, they cost the government right. money. Right. Right, yeah. Have you ever heard of some prisoners that literally the day they're getting out, they punch the guard or they'll kill a prisoner or they'll start something in order to stay? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that they don't leave. Yeah. Manson's tools of persuasion were the lax social codes of the late 1960s, in which runaway hippies mingled freely with Hollywood royalty and his ability to tell others what they wanted to hear both of which he par- parlayed into a friendship with Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the Beach Boys. Oh. So when I was a kid, I loved the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one time they had like one of these made for TV movies that was like a biography, like the, the history of the Beach Boys. And I was like seven mm-hmm. or eight. And I, I remember mm-hmm. watching it and they touch on the whole Manson family stuff. And that part scared the shit out of me because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> he was he was real uh, intertwined with the Beach yeah. Boys. Yeah. It really was. It was no secret that Manson very badly wanted to be a musician. And being a master of manipulation, he managed to squirm his way into the lives of some very influential people. Among them, Terry Melcher, the son of Doris Day, who was a music producer. Melcher had connections with the Mamas and Papas as well as the Beach Boys. Manson himself shacked up at Beach Boy Dennis Wilson's house for a time 
During this time period, Melcher was in a relationship with actress Candace Bergen, who you might remember from the late 80s and early 90s sitcom Murphy Brown. Holy shit, really? Yeah. What? He had some he had some major connections, right. which is really crazy that he never blew up. Right. And he, I think he kind of got sidelined in a way of um in his mind he got fucked. Yeah. Right. It was well, yeah. I mean, he was competing with some some big people. I mean, back back then, he was a great songwriter. Right, Manson wrote great songs. Right. The problem is, Manson, to me, musically talented, as far as singing, sucks. Oh yeah, no, that's why I was saying it was just music to me. I was just like, yeah, yeah it wasn't oh, so like anything. Like it didn't Durst. blow my mind or anything. I was just like, all right, don't well. you dare. <laughs> I love Fred Durst. Oh my god! <laughs> Limp Bizkit had one good album. I, I hold on now. Limp Bizkit, chocolate starfish and hot dog yes. flavored water. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Okay, I love Limp Bizkit. I'm just gonna oh. say it. I do too. I do too. I love Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't he from Jacksonville? So it makes sense, Sam. Like you're from the same blood. <laughs> the same blood. <laughs> hold on. First of all, okay. She's I originally from New York. Yeah. I was gonna say i wasn't even born here okay oh, see so now you're trying to separate yourself from fred durst i see <laughs> no okay i'm not saying that he's a good guy because he because i when he was younger he was like a piece of shit but i think he's kind of grown you know like he's grown up <laughs> from his like mistakes and stuff but but yeah no. i did it all yeah, for I... the nookie <laughs> so you can take that cookie yes yeah, so those are just some Top notch. Listen, I would pay top dollar to go to that th one of those concerts back in the day. That'd be Honestly, awesome. Honestly, so would I because I miss going to concerts. Yeah, that'd be so nice right now. Did it all for the nookie. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Manson's connections with the famous and somewhat famous is not itself unusual. If you want to be successful at something, whatever it is, surround yourself as much as possible with like-minded people and more ideally, people who can make those dreams happen. And if you are, as Manson was, a master manipulator and talent he probably learned during his many incarcerations, you try to work your way from being a patient puppet to a master puppeteer. Of baby. course. So basically, I mean, obviously, it's like I was saying, you surround yourself with the people you want to do, you manipulate them to get your way. And I'm pretty sure that's what he has done his whole life. Yeah, that's how he learned. Because as a child who has no stern uh, rules, mm -hmm. yeah, 
that's what you learn. You learn manipulation mm-hmm. to get your roles. Yeah. I don't. I think it's it's really weird because children. Uh, you'll learn this, Nick. Mm. Uh, children love to try to manipulate you. Oh, hundred oh, yeah. percent. I don't even have kids, you know? and I fucking know that. Like, ki- kids are yeah. kids are little shits sometimes. I'm my, telling you. My mom's husband has a kid, um, and well, it's, he, he's an adult now. But when he was a kid, um, he, I guess, like the room I stayed at at my mom's house was his mm. room when I wasn't there. So, like, his yeah. Xbox was there. So we kind of, I guess, share. But like, we didn't you know, didn't really cross paths, but anyways, mm-hmm. I was there and I was leaving soon, but not yet. And I don't remember. I was watching a movie or something like that in my room. Right. And he's trying to get me to leave early so he could go play Xbox. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Oh, your mom said that she wants you to leave now. I'm like, okay, well, can you tell my mom that I'm not ready to leave yet? <laughs> and then when that didn't work, he's like, the doctor said, you have to let me play now or I'm going to die. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> better say goodbye to everyone (laughs) no but kids they they like what they do is they test you they try and see what they can get away with and if you give them a little bit of lead way then they'll they'll pick up on it yeah then they'll try it's a trait they pick up yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then they'll try and little by little they try and you know do more things to get away with because of this musical and egotistical ambitions, some have said that the Tate-LeBlanca murders were not specifically committed to enact the helter-skelter race war, as Bigelosi suggested. Some believe the murders were committed as either a warning to Melcher for snubbing Mason, Manson, Mason, Mason, <laughs> this Mason new guy, Mason. <laughs> I don't know. Another conspiracy theory. But you don't fuck with Mason. <laughs> he was the he was the true mastermind. Who cares about Charles Manson? It's actually Mason. It's actually like William, yeah, like William Mason or something like that. I think it's fucking David Blaine in my mind again. <laughs> Others have put forth that the murders were meant to appear as copycat killings in order to exonerate Bobby Bosley. Bosley, yeah. Is it? Is it? Bos- yeah, it is Bosley. You're right. I even put the thing here of how to say it, and I still can't <laughs> yeah, say it. Yeah, listen then. Who was actually in jail at that time? But more on these two theories later. We'll we'll go over. But yeah, he was in jail at the time of of the killings. These, uh, ki- of the killings. Yeah. So there's literally yeah. no way that he was he was able to commit that crime. Mm-hmm. He just had. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to frame Bobby. I think he was. It's it's I don't know. Manson's mind's a fucking no basket anyway. He's a fucking lunatic. Yeah, oh, half yeah. the time. I mean the between like all did I mean he he took like masses massive amounts of drugs. Did he not? Or uh, yeah, yeah, they all did. I mean, it yeah, was the sixties. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know. Like his his I've whole probably been fucking, fucking high as a kite his, too. His whole brain is like fucking fried. The Manson family murders took place over the course of two days, August 8th and 9th of 1969. The first set of murders took place at 150 Celo Drive in Benedict Canyon, Los Angeles. Celo Green? Very pregnant. Not no. Celo Green. <laughs> See you driving around town with the girl I love. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> where the very pregnant actress Sharon Tate resided with her husband, the now-disgraced director, Roman Polanski. 
Polanski was in Europe scouting for an upcoming film shoot at the time. Oh, my God. I think you all know who Roman Polanski is. Yep. Yep. That's okay. A, that's, a, that's a separate episode. <laughs> that's a sick fucker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tate was at the house with a group of friends. Her friend and former lover, Jay Sebring, a noted hairstylist, Polanski's friend and aspiring screenwriter, Wojek Frykowski... <laughs> And Wait, Frank- hold on. You, you can know. say that, but you can't say <laughs> whatever Shut the- up, Sam. <laughs> My Alabama education. <laughs> and Frykowski's girlfriend, Abigail Folger, heiress to the Folger's Coffee Fortune. I was going to make a Folger's Coffee joke. Peter Folger. Well, and it is actually Folger's in I, your cup. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, there you go. I, I, wow. Yeah. Legendary actor Steve McQueen was supposed to have been at the house that night, but did not go. I guess you could say that Steve McQueen dodged a bullet that night, (laughs) but a dumb. But seriously, a bullet is a type of Mustang, which is made by Ford, not Dodge, but a bum. And for those who may not know, bullet is not just a type of Mustang, but it's also the name of McQueen's most famous film, which features an iconic chase scene. So to those who didn't get the joke, what do you got to show for yourself? (laughs) Watch more Steve McQueen movies. Yep. I'm going to move on now because I feel awkward. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The murders were brutal and horrific. Sharon Tate, nearly full term in her pregnancy, begged and pleaded for her life and the life of her unborn child to no avail. It could have been possible for her baby to survive, even if she herself had died. But the killers purposefully ensured that the baby would die too. Jesus. The baby was a month or less away Oof. from the due date, just so you know. How can you be so terrible? Like, that's wow. just. It's I just, honestly ugh, think. I, I'm being honest with you. They were all hot. I mean, oh, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, they're their yes, own yes. shit. No, the, the only you know? way that you could commit something so horrific like that like you have to be under the influence of something because you can't be fucking so or you're just fucked up truly, just, yeah yes or you're like yeah. truly evil which the odds of a group of people being truly evil no you know, it's unlikely like maybe one out of you know the five or six that are there but even not, then, not, it's, not, it's, yeah, yeah it's very unlikely it takes one nut that's charles right? manson mm-hmm takes one nut yep. mm-hmm. and that nut planted a seed mm-hmm. please get the joke <laughs> I, I think we all right got over it the no, no 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 i got it <laughs> is this a sex joke do i need to say ejaculation <laughs> okay okay well, i'm thinking we're on the same page <laughs> <laughs> the family seemed to have lustfully enjoyed these killings immensely some reports say that when Polanski returned to his house, the bloodstains on the carpet were still wet. Oh. The crime scene was a real horror show, and the thought of no one feeling moved by a pregnant woman's pleas for her baby's life is unthinkable and disgusting. It was said that her pleas were more for the child's life than her own, which is not uncommon for a would-be mother, right. of course. Right. Yeah, no, that's... I, I, and, I can't even and imagine... these killings, were, they were senseless. Oh, oh yeah. no, senseless. 100%. Yeah, no, it was it's yeah. terrible. The official story states that Manson himself did not take part in these killings or the ones that took place the next night, and there is some dispute as to whether he was even present at either scene. The victim's blood was used to scrawl pigs on the door of the Tate house as they left. Yeah, I've heard both that, like, 
Charles Manson was either there or he wasn't. Right. Like yeah. I've heard that he was there ordering them to kill, but I've also heard that he didn't really specify, like say specifically to kill, but you know, like he implied to kill, mm-hmm. but he wasn't or didn't there. specify who to kill either. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. So, and I don't know if we'll never know. A total of five people were murdered at the Tate house that night. And this is the official account of what happened that night. So this is a little long, but this is the shorted version of exactly what happened. Cool. On August 8th, Manson ordered his follower, Charles Tex Watson, to go to 150 Silo Drive with several other cult members and kill everyone there as gruesomely as you can. Manson was familiar with the house because its previous tenant, music producer Terry Melcher, had earlier considered and then decided against giving Manson a recording contract. Watson drove to the estate with Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Linda Caspin. When they arrived on the property after midnight, they encountered a car driven by Stephen Parent, an 18-year-old who had been visiting the estate's caretaker at his home in the guest house. Watson shot Parent to death before he, Atkins, and Krenwickel broke into the main house, leaving Caspin to stay at the gate as a lookout. The four people in the home, celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring, a close friend of Tate's, was also there, were made to gather in the living room, and Tate and Sebring were linked by ropes tied around their necks. Sebring was shot and stabbed to death. Rokowski and Folger managed to free themselves and flee the house, but both were traced down and killed by Krenwickel and Watson. Finally, Atkins and or Watson fatally stabbed Tate. As they left, Atkins used Tate's blood to write the word pig on the front door. Jeez. Fucking disgusting. That's terrible. How can you, how can, it's just like, how can you stab, like fatally stab a pregnant woman? It's just like you're. That's a whole new low right there. Yeah, you're you're nuts. No, there's, yeah, there's just no excuse. There's no excuse for that. I, I honestly think too that I don't know what they they were under so much drugs, and right. Manson was giving them so much drugs, right? And Manson he had feeding them, them so much control. bullshit. Oh, they oh, were yeah. scared of him. Oh yeah. yeah, they were terribly scared of Manson. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time he had them believe. And whatever it is that was going on. But as you see here, mm-hmm. Helter Skelter, we'll get into uh, later on. We get more into it in part three. But this was really Charles or Charlie was really acting out on his anger. Right, because he didn't yeah. he didn't get the record. He he was trying to get the record from the it's one the guy. It's the same thing as when he was a child. Yeah. Anger. Mm-hmm. He's angry at the world. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, it was kind of like that you've had all this bad stuff happen in your life, right? Mm-hmm. You keep going to prison. You keep going there. You had shitty-ass mother. Mm-hmm. Father wasn't there. You finally get this break in life, and then all of a sudden, it's snatched away from you. So the only thing he knows to do is his institutionalized way that he's always been. So that's what he turns to. Oh, yeah. Here's where we see the possibility that the murders were a warning to Terry Melcher for snubbing Manson. The idea seems a bit more reasonable than helter-skelter theory. But honestly, when you get to this level of insanity, everything and nothing makes sense at the same damn time. 
Well, I I think it's definitely more of a warning because you think so? yeah, because like like they said that house was previously Terry's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so why would he target that house specifically? Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, I think it has something to do with he just felt some type of way about being burned by the dude. And he was like, hey, you know, this is what happens when you cross me. Kind yeah, of thing. I mean, that's fair. That makes more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Than, than, I think it's both. Yeah. I don't think Manson really believed in Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he told his followers. Right. To he, make them believe what they were doing was right. Mm-hmm. The Tate murders were the most famous and well-known, followed by the LeBlanca murders soon after. But there was an earlier victim who has been all forgotten in the crazy spree of the Tate-LeBlanca murders, music enthusiast and educator Gary Hinman. And Hinman was actually the first Manson family victim. And again, we see that connection to music. Interesting. Mm. It all comes down to music for Manson, which yeah. is really weird. I wonder why he targeted that guy. I mean, did did that guy... You'll find out. Oh, okay. We're fixing to go through oh, okay. it. Yeah. In 1969, just a few weeks before the infamous Manson murders of actor Sharon Tate and supermarket mogul Lino LeBlanca, Manson ordered his follower, Bobby... How do you say Beau his last Soleil. name? Beau Soleil, <laughs> to kill his friend Gary Hinman, an act which would propel the family past the point of no return and into the darkest depths of humanity. Indeed, it would be the murder of 34-year-old musician Gary Hinman that escalated the Manson family from borderline creepy group of free-loving young people to a crazed collection of mindless mass murderers. Damn. Jeez. So guy's just like, yo, kill your friend. And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like no yeah. fucking hesitation, like no nothing, like just seems, okay. Seems legit. Yeah. Like what? You'll see that there was hesitation, and this is where I say that they're scared of him because mm-hmm. when we uh, get to down to the part of what's going to happen to him, and mm-hmm. you'll see some hesitation. Okay, there was the I'm freaking out or I'm scared. What is what is happening? What is right. Manson going to do to me? Oh, okay. Hinman was born in 1934. He studied at the University of California, Los Angeles, graduating with a degree in chemistry and continuing his education by pursuing a Ph.D. in sociology. His friends, those who never attempted to kill him at least, will remember him as a kind-hearted man. After purchasing a home in Topanga Canyon, California, Hinman employed a sort of open-door policy, any friends who found themselves in transit state would be welcomed into his home to stay for however long they wanted. No, 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 mm. no. That, but that is was normal a recipe then. for disaster. That was normal. Yeah, I know. This, you got to think this hitchhiking was yeah. normal. No, yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know. It's just like it's just a recipe for disaster. No matter what era you're in. Although you, if you, rem- you remember the uh, Luca Magnata story when Luca went to France. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy yeah. he just randomly stayed with. I know, yeah. and then the yeah. guy didn't even know he was a fucking killer. But that's yeah. why you don't. But you know you that's still common in Europe. In your yeah. home that you don't know. That's still common in Europe. Think of hostels, right? You're right. Yeah. Hostels are common in Europe. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of that's still that kind of open door policy. You're you're sharing uh, an area with somebody you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Not today. Nope. 
This kindness and open-door welcoming demeanor would eventually lead to his untimely, gruesome, and unfortunate death. Hemmen was also a talented musician who worked at a music shop and taught the bagpipes, drums, piano, and trombone. Already a busy man, Hemmen also somehow managed to establish a masculine factory in his basement. I wish... See, I played a trump... Mescaline. Mescaline, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Is it mescaline or mescaline? I think it's mescaline, but I could be wrong. I played trumpet as as a when I was in uh, elementary school, high school. I wish I played the trombone because then I'd be a tromboner. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that was going to go to a boner? I know, hundred percent. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Here we see four factors that would make him attractive to the family: kindness to strangers, music, drugs, and a giving nature, and the bagpipes. And the bagpipes. Because yeah. who can turn down bagpipes, right? Oh, man, they're fucking annoying. I hate them. I love them. Oh, my God. We also see a cautionary tale that has been repeated many times in the decades since his death. Nice people can and have been readily taken advantage of by unscrupulous people. Think twice before opening your home to strangers, especially when you have a drug lab in your basement. To be fair, in that era, and especially in California, people were far more trusting and kind, and drugs were something to be shared. Hinman was a good guy who definitely deserved far better things than what he got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why you don't bring in strangers into your home, and this shit won't happen to you. Just imagine Florida. You know, you go to, like, someone just letting you stay in their house. There's a meth lab in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, no, that's probably pretty... I mean, that's probably common. <laughs> probably. Sam, how many meth labs do you have in your basement? Uh, only one, okay? Oh, Nick. only one? Oh, only fuck? one. Wow. Slacking. <laughs> Sam slacking. The same summer of 1966 that Hemin was planning his pilgrimage to Japan, he was getting into Buddhism, and letting road-weary travelers move in and out of his home. Hinman consequently befriended members of the Manson family, including Bobby, Frenchman. Beausoleil. <laughs> I don't know why I did Beausoleil. the Italian hands, even though it's French. <laughs> yeah, no, let Nick, he'll say the last name. Beausoleil. <laughs> Several of them, again, including Beausoleil, Yay! even lived at the Topanga Canyon home during that summer while Manson established his cult following within the boundaries of the isolated Spawn Ranch. Spawn! That sounds like, I don't know why, but that just sounds so creepy. Spawn Well, you know Ranch. what Spawn Ranch is, right? Nope. Mm-mm. Spawn Ranch was an old Wild West film set. What? Oh, was it? And it was just like yeah. left abandoned? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, there was an owner. There was a person that owned it, but that person allowed him to stay there. Oh. That, I, mean, too kinda, would, I mean, that'd be kind of I, too, cool. live on a film set. I mean, I, I'm just saying, that'd be kind of cool to live on a film set. Well, there's rumors that the reason they let him let him stay there is because he was getting some freebie vagina. Oh, of course. It's a good way to pay rent. Yep. Beausoleil allegedly purchased 1,000 types of mescaline or mescaline from Hinman. Beausoleil then sold those tabs to some customers who came back with complaints Uh and wanted their money back. Beausoleil resolved to ask Hinman for his $1,000 back. I didn't go there with the intention of killing Gary, Beausoleil said in an interview in 1981. I was going there for one purpose only, which was to collect $1,000 that had already turned over to him that didn't belong to me. But you killed him anyways, so... What is a drug dealer's <laughs> return policy? 
<laughs> you got 30 days. 30 days. <laughs> there ain't one. It's got to be in the package unopened. <laughs> you have to have your receipt. You got to no, you got to have your receipt still. You got <laughs> On top of this faulty drug deal, Manson was under the impression that Henman was sending on a lot of inherited money, mm. some $20,000 worth, which is a lot in the 60s. Right. In addition to this inheritance, Manson believed that Henman had invested money in his house and cars. So on July 25th, 1969, Manson ordered Busoli to go over to Hinman's with the intention of scaring him out of his $20,000. Busoli. So there's the Busoli. I fucked it up again. Busoli. <laughs> again. Busoli. Busoli. Oh, babe, Busoli. Oh, I like Busoli better. Yeah. Busoli. So you can see there what the true intention is. Money. But the thing Money. is, is that, I mean, obviously, he didn't have just 20 grand just sitting there, you know, just to give out. He didn't have it at all. Yeah. yeah. So, so this it's is. made up. Yeah. So they literally killed this man for no fucking reason, thinking that he had like this money that he didn't have. Pretty much. Beausoleil was accompanied by other future infamous family members, Susan Atkins and Mary Bronner, who were, who were rumored to have had sex with Hinman in the past. Or Beausoleil, almost said Beausoleil again, <laughs> was driven by Manson's orders or by his own beliefs that Hemen had purposely sold him bad drugs. He nonetheless decided that force was necessary that evening. I've been rewatching Breaking Bad, so I'm getting a lot of Breaking Bad vibes here. Breaking Bad yeah. vibes? Yeah. Oh, I am yeah, the one no, who definitely. knocks. Gary was a friend, he would later recall. He didn't do anything to deserve what happened to him. And I am responsible for that. Upon being asked for the money, Hinman admitted that he didn't have any. In fact, he didn't even own his house and cars and was speculated. Frustrated, Beausoleil roughed Hinman up thinking that he was lying when it seemed unlikely that he was. Beausoleil called for backup. This guy's not I, rich. I love- Kill him. Yeah, no, it's so funny. I love how he's like, yeah, Gary was my friend and I feel so bad. Now I was like, dude, you fucking killed him. Like, like what? Like, just because you say that doesn't change the fact that you literally massacred no. this guy thinking that he had like 20 grand when he didn't. And when and then when you found out that he but didn't well, have he's the going 20 under grand, Manson's orders. Jesus, <laughs> he's going under Manson's orders, right? Man, what a dummy. The next day, Charles Manson arrived at Topanga Canyon home along with family member Bruce Davis. After Brusole told Manson that regrettably there was no money, Manson drew out a samurai sword he'd brought along and sliced Hinman's ear and cheek unbothered. What? Manson and Davis took off in one of Hinman's cars, leaving a panicked Brusole along with an injured Hinman and the two girls. Damn, what the fuck Where is the f- this? What the fuck? Where is the this, fuck is this Manson Kill Bill? This is Kill Bill. This is Kill Bill now. Now we're going into Kill Bill. Like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay, that would be fucking terrifying to see. I'm just saying, because I'd be out. I'd be out. But think of how oh, they're yeah. thinking right now, right? Oh, yeah. They're terrified. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they don't want that to happen to them. They did the best they could to clean up Gary Hinman, using dental floss to stitch up his wound. Hinman seemed dazed and kept insisting that he didn't believe in violence and simply wanted everyone to leave his home. Despite the fact that Hinman's wound was under control, 
Osoleil continued to become agitated, believing there was no way out of his situation. I mean, you just Dental roughed the floss. guy up. Dental floss. They, they fixed him. They fixed him up with dental but floss. But I think what's coming into play here is it's like, look what just happened. Yeah. He's going to go to the cops. We're fucked. Oh, yeah. no. Fucked. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you think he's, he's just going to be like, all right, yeah, you know, you cut off my ear and my cheek. You guys are fine. Just leave the house and I won't say yeah. nothing. You're like, good come to go. <laughs> Here, we'll give you some pussy again. Yeah. <laughs> be all right. like, It'll make your ear grow back. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Susan, jump on it. <laughs> Beausoleil would later say, fear is not a rational emotion when it sets in. Things get out of control, as they certainly did with Charlie and me. I knew if I took him to the emergency room, I'd end up going to prison. Gary would tell on me for sure, and he would tell on Charlie and everyone else. Beausoleil said later, it was at that point I realized I had no way out. And this is where we will pick back up in part two of our series on the Manson family as we move further into the murder of Hinman, the psyche, and more of the Manson family members. And you already know what's going to happen to Hinman. It ain't gonna be good. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get into the murder of Henman in part two. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler. Obviously, alert. <laughs> um, I've already said it. I no, said we're gonna no, go into I the know. murder of Henman part two. <laughs> Spoilers that Henman died. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to thank our very own Stephanie Kemmerer for all of the research and writing she did for this episode and the entire series on the Manson family. Plus, a special thanks to Special Agent Jim Harris and Gindler from Quacks Anonymous for their input Quacks and interviews Anonymous. for this series. Yeah, that's their Twitter handle, by the <laughs> way. That's great. I love it. <laughs> as their knowledge and advice is immensely appreciated. We would also like to thank the resources used for part three of this series, Wikipedia, LA Times, Smithsonian Magazine, Britannica, and all that interesting. But don't forget... You can help support the show, get more bonus content by joining our Elbow Deep Club on Patreon for just $5 a month. Visit patreon.com slash Studios. You can also follow us and the show on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Podcast Afraid. If you're watching us on Pod TV, it's in the top right corner. And if you are listening to us, all of it's in the show it's notes. It's also in the top right corner. Also in the top right corner. <laughs> And don't forget, go check out all the interesting, entertaining, and awesome podcast shows available on the Orta Studios Podcast Network. If you like our show, there's Southern Oddities, there's Last Year's Horror, um, Nick's working on a new show. Go check out the video-only podcast with Sam and Ariana on Wicked Sisters, which they just dropped a new episode, by the Mm -hmm. way. And it's on Goosebumps. It's on Goosebumps. Mm -hmm. But visit ortisstudios.com. Link is in the show notes, or you see it on the screen here on Pod TV. Or, hey, or don't. <laughs> no, you have to. No, You're you have to. Legal legal Do it now. Also, don't forget to join our garlic um, bread cult yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Garlic bread cult. Yep. Just, garlic yep, bread just cult. hand over all your worldly possessions to me, <laughs> and you get free breadsticks. Yeah, for the rest of your life. I mean, that's a win win right there. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously next week we will be back with Manson Family Part 2 as we continue this crazy journey with this family of just fuck these are the, I'm calling them fucked up hippies these are the fucked mm-hmm. up hippies 
fucked up hippies. Yep. And obviously, we are about to continue the party over on Patreon. So, patrons, Wednesday, you will get a brand new episode of more scary stories to tell in the dark as we're going through the last book. Yep. So we haven't done one of those episodes in a while, so you're going to be getting that on Wednesday, and we're about to head over and do that now. But any final thoughts on this part one of the Manson family, Nick and Sam? We need to They're make a new tier on our crazy. Pa- <laughs> we need to make a new tier on our Patreon where we send them breadsticks. Send them breadsticks. Twenty five dollars a month. <laughs> Get free breadsticks. <laughs> Well, until we create the breadstick cult, you know what we always tell you to do? We want you to always stay elbow deep. Mm. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. The show is part of the Ordus Podcast Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.